We're going to be looking at the Gospel of Mark here for a number of weeks. Lord willing, we're going to look at one chapter a Sunday. So that's, that's the plan anyway. So if you would, turn to Mark chapter 1. The Gospel of Mark chapter 1. The Gospel of Mark chapter 1 for this morning's text. I'll read verses 9 through 13. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. I'd like to back up for just a moment for the benefit of those of you who may not know this. There are four Gospels in our New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They each are written about the life and ministry, life, ministry, and death of the Lord Jesus Christ and give us a different perspective of that ministry of Christ. They are four accounts giving us different views of the same events and activities for the most part. The Gospel of Matthew was written primarily to the Jews and pictures Jesus Christ as the perfect king. The Gospel of Mark was written primarily to the Romans and depicts Jesus Christ as the perfect servant. The Gospel of Luke was written primarily to the Greek audience and shows Jesus Christ as the perfect man. And the Gospel of John was written to the world and demonstrates Jesus Christ is God. You'll find there are events recorded in some or all of the gospel accounts and other activities or events are only recorded in one or a couple of them. But what we have here are the writings of these four men who give us a good overview, if you will, of the life and times of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Gospel of Mark was written somewhere between 57 and 63 A.D., and it's the shortest of the Gospels being only 16 chapters long, or a total of 678 verses. It's an action-packed book that touches on highlights of Jesus' ministry rather than going into a great amount of detail. So it's, it kind of gives us a quick overview of a lot of things happening in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. For example, chapter 1, we see these topics discussed. The person and preaching of John the Baptist the baptism of Jesus, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, John imprisoned and Jesus preaching repentance, Jesus calling Andrew, Peter, James, and John to be his disciples, Jesus displaying his authority as a teacher, his authority over unclean spirits, his authority over sickness, and his authority over leprosy. So you understand, that's a lot to cover in 45 verses. So it gives us an idea that Mark is just hitting on the highlights, the important parts, if you will. But here in our text, he deals with the subject of our Lord's temptation in the wilderness. And the question we'd like to address in this series of Mark's biblical answers to puzzling questions would be this. What about temptation? 
Why do we have to deal with temptation? What's the purpose? So with that in mind, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture primarily at verses 12 and 13 to see what we might glean concerning this matter of temptation. Before we do, let me mention this. The word tempted means to put to test, to scrutinize, to examine, or to prove. It speaks of the trials and testings an individual endures in order to reveal the kind of person someone is and the quality of their character. Someone has said, generally speaking, temptation is understood to be the enticement of a person to commit sin by offering some seeming advantage, thus revealing the quality and strength of their resolve or the lack thereof. Of course, the sources of temptation are Satan, the world, and our flesh. We are exposed to these sources every day and in many, many ways. We're going to look at four things this morning concerning this subject of temptation and see that it might be a help to us. First of all, we notice in verse 12, temptation is sudden. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. Of course, we recognize this event takes place following the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice temptation follows a person's choice to do the will of God. Here Jesus was tempted immediately following his baptism. Now his baptism was a momentous occasion. Jesus in doing so was declaring his total commitment to God's mission. And what is that mission? It is to provide the redemptive plan for all mankind. Someone has said this event marked the beginning of Christ's public ministry, which would culminate in his death, burial, and resurrection in just 36 months. The point to see is that his decision brought about an immediate response. Jesus was tempted after his decision to follow Christ and to begin the greatest task known to man. Now we see here the voice of the Father and the presence of the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, both acknowledging the deity of our Savior and as well validating his work. Christ's victory over Satan in the wilderness is further proof of his divine sonship. You see, the first Adam failed a test in a lovely garden. The last Adam overcame the enemy in a terrible wilderness. Great things happen to a person who determines to walk with God. Satan, as our adversary and the adversary of God, knows this and therefore insists on offering us a counterfeit. He tries to get us to choose to do something other than what God wants us to do or has commanded us to do. What do I mean? Remember, you have Jesus who is the Christ. Satan 
represents the antichrist, the one who is against Christ. You know, the devil always has a counterfeit. The devil always has a, an option to throw at us as we walk through life. Here we know in our minds and hearts we should do right. We should choose to live for God. We should walk the straight and narrow path. We should obey the word of God. But don't we see over and over and over again the wicked one who walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour that one who throws snares at us he seeks to trip us up in the way by offering something other than that which is pleasing to God how sad that many times we fall into his trap we're caught in his snare we're led astray by the temptations of this life understand temptation comes quickly to those who choose to live for God We see a couple of examples of this in Scripture. You don't need to turn, but I'll refer to these. Moses, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, the Scripture states, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Clearly, there was a choice placed before him. He could continue living as the Pharaoh's son. He could continue living in the palace. He could continue enjoying a life of splendor and wealth and privilege. But he chose to set that aside, to suffer affliction with the people of God. Verse 26 states, Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. And may I say this, the treasures of this world will never outweigh the riches we have in Christ. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? God's wealth awaiting us in heaven is far greater than what this world has to offer. By faith, verse 27, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. What about Elijah? 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. Elijah came to all the people and said, How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And all the people answered him, Not a word. Elijah made it clear in his declaration before uh, the wicked king Ahab and the prophets of the groves and the prophets of Baal and the people of God, there is a choice to be made. Elijah made it clear his choice was to live for God and to follow the Lord. And don't we see in chapter 19 of 1 Kings, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Challenges, trials, temptations, they come quickly to those who declare their choice to follow God. What about Peter? We have the story of Jesus when he went to the disciples and asked, Whom do the people say that I am? And they responded. Jesus looked at Peter and said, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thus Peter declared his belief that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. 
And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And then we see later on, Jesus warns him, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Live for God, and you'll face struggles and and trials in this life. Live for God, and understand, Satan's going to throw temptations your way to try and draw us away from that straight and narrow path. Satan, the adversary of God and man, will tempt believers with the intent of destroying our faith in Christ and negating our testimony for Him. You know... He's lost us. Every one of us who know Christ as Savior, we who are saved, saved eternally, saved forever, a part of the family of God. What a joy to know we have a home in heaven because we have been promised eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. We have that promise now, today. We know we're on our way to heaven. Satan can't do anything about that. He's lost us. However, he can attack us in such a way to harm our testimony and seek to ruin our reputation before others. Even though he can't do anything to keep us from getting to heaven, he can, if he will, use us to prevent others from getting to heaven by destroying our testimony before the lost. He'll do so by causing the saints of God to doubt, to question to choose another way, to undertake another task, or to seek an alternate lifestyle. Satan knows he can't leave us alone. You see, God expects us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Satan's continual temptations and attacks upon the child of God are intended to weaken our faith and diminish our trust in Christ. Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 2 Timothy 2.1, we're admonished, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Psalm 101, verse 2, the psalmist declared, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. And then David in Psalm 119, verse 111, Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined mine heart to perform thy statutes alway, even unto the end. See, it's one thing to believe the word of God. It's another thing to believe it and to obey it. Satan doesn't mind God's people believing this book. He doesn't like them living according to it. And as a result, temptation comes our way. Oswald Chambers declared, The phrase, decide for Christ, which we so frequently hear, is too often an emphasis on the thing our Lord never trusted. Our Lord never asks us to decide for him. He asks us to yield to him. A very different matter. Yes, as we yield ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, as we choose to follow him, he empowers us, Satan opposes us, and it's up to us to continue looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 
back in our text, also in verse 12, we see a temptation is not only sudden, but it's also allowed, it's sanctioned by God. And immediately, the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. The word driveth means to throw out, or to send away, or to drive out. Here we learn that the Spirit of God compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness and face these trials and temptations. Trials and temptations are meant to be stepping stones, not stumbling blocks. They are opportunities for the Spirit of God to use in making us stronger and more able to live for God. See, it's not God's goal to get us to trip up, to stumble, to fail, to falter, to be hindered in the way. No, it is God's goal that we might learn to trust in Him and see that He is able to get us through these trials. And the Spirit of God permits trials and temptations to come our way. There's a desire on the part of every young couple, I believe, who chooses to raise their child or children to live for God. There's a desire to seal off or to seclude our children, if you will, from the impact or the influence of the world. We'd like to keep our children from ever being exposed from the filth of this life. But you know, that's not possible. There is evil all around. And just as a human parent seeks to do that which is best for their children, our Heavenly Father also does the same. He doesn't remove us from the world. No. He said we're in the world, but we're not of the world. He enables us to travel through this life by trusting in Him. We would like it if we didn't have to face any trials. We would prefer not to face any challenges or tempt- temptations or difficulties. God, in fact, though, says, I want you to go through them so you can learn to trust in me in every situation and in every way. That's why in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, we read, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Well, there's a good one for you. Most of us resent tribulation. We would resist it. We want to flee from it. We don't want anything to do with it. Paul said we glory in tribulations also. Why? Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Yes, as we face the temptations set before us, as we face the struggles and difficulties of life, God is able. James 1, 2. James also had a handle on this by saying, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Why? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, Wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. You know that promise, that prayer promise, if you will? If we lack wisdom, ask God and he will give us wisdom. In its context, it's dealing with the struggles and the difficulties of life. You're not sure which way to turn when you face a trial? 
Not sure how to respond to the temptations of Satan? Ask God for wisdom. He'll point the way. His word will clearly show us what we should or should not do. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul wrote, For our light affliction is but for a moment, worketh in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And Peter, 1 Peter 1, 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Yes, the Lord allows us to go through trials that we might gain the victory and see him working in our lives. A couple of quotes for you here. Someone has said, temptation will come, but it is our choice whether or not to follow it. Someone else, temptation is a call to battle. And then a third writer stated, even in the darkest nights, look to Christ as your light. Yes, temptation comes suddenly. Temptation is allowed to come our way at the hand of the Lord or by, by God's permission. But notice in verse 13 of our text, temptation can be severe. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. Temptation, as a wilderness experience, if you will, is both discomforting and threatening. The danger of the wilderness is that rocks, serpents, or beasts may cause injury. But as we go through temptations, struggles, and trials, some of them might be quite severe. Some of them may very well be difficult. Sometimes these challenges include sorrow, hardship, weakness, disappointment, discouragement, despair, or loneliness. No matter how difficult the journey, Jesus said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. You see, God's word admonishes us to trust him and to endure whatever struggle comes our way. 2 Timothy 2.3, Paul wrote, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12.3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. So what is the writer of Hebrews saying? When things get tough, things go against you, life gets hard, temptations are great, struggles are severe. Think about what the Lord Jesus Christ went through, enduring all of that, that we might be saved. Yea, James 1.12 states, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And in Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, the children of God were admonished, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Yes, temptations can be difficult, can be severe, can be harsh in the way. But all thank God, he, he encourages us 
to continue on. It's God's will that we conquer, triumph over the wilderness experience. Note that God sent Jesus into the wilderness only after the Spirit had come upon him. Make sure when you're going through these challenges in life that your heart's right with God, that you walk closely with him. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Let's not be foolish enough to think we can handle temptation on our own. Let's not think we can face Satan without the aid of our Lord. No, no. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed, lest he fall. There's battles to be won, but we are more than conquerors through Christ. Not in our own strength. We're not in a battle of flesh and blood. No, no. We need the Lord's help in the way. Charles Spurgeon stated, any temptation will prove too strong for the person who thinks himself too strong for any temptation. Sure enough. Now notice, fourthly, if you would, also in verse 13, not only is temptation sudden, sanctioned, severe, but satanic. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan. Let me state this clearly. Temptation is not of God. So few people know and accept that temptation is of Satan, who is the father of lies and deception. This argument that people throw up, well, God made me do it. Well, I was innocent. I didn't have any choice. God made me do it. No, no. God never leads his children to violate his law, transgress his commands, disobey his word. God never leads us into sin. Temptation is a choice we make because we follow the wicked one. John chapter 8 verse 44, Jesus in facing the Pharisees stated, ye are of your father the devil and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode none in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. Satan is the author of error. Satan is the protagonist who puts before us lies and deception and seeks to harm and hinder God's people along the way. And it is him, not God, that causes us to stumble. James chapter 1 verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. That ought to settle the issue right there. James goes on to explain the real problem. Verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. God didn't make me do wrong. You didn't make me do wrong. I did wrong because I chose on my own to disobey the Lord. We are living in a day and age when accountability and responsibility of individuals is cast aside and everybody looks for someone else to blame rather than saying, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. David said, search me and know my heart. 
He said it in Psalm 51, against thee, thee only, have I sinned. Beloved, temptation is satanic. That devil, old Slewfoot himself, will do everything he can do to trip us up in the way. Don't be so foolish as to blame God for your failure. Don't be so foolish as to think God is wanting to see you uh, stumble in the way. No, He wants us to be strengthened in the way. That's why He allows us to go through temptation to see He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Again, 1 Peter 5 8, be, vig- be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a warring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And let me remind you, that word devour doesn't mean give you a hug. He's talking about destroying us. Satan is our enemy. I read this story recently, having to do with nature. It was amazing. That kind of demonstrates this idea of giving in to our temptation and how harmful it is. But observers had noted that certain kinds of ant have a passion for the sweet glandular substance given off by the caterpillar of a large blue butterfly. They can become so addicted to it, they even seek out the supplier and carry him to their nest. But they unknowingly bring home an enemy in disguise, for the caterpillar gorges himself exclusively on ant larva. Usually such a threat to the colony would be repelled, but the adults enjoy the tasty secretion of their guest so much that they are oblivious to the fact their young are being devoured in the process. Don't we see this being lived out today in many a home where parents have closed their eyes to the dangers their children are being faced with because the parents have bought into the philosophy of this world. Satan seeks to destroy young, old, strong, weak, rich, poor. It matters not. Everyone is a target of the devil. Someone has said one half of the trouble of this life can be traced to saying yes too quickly and not saying no soon enough. Another has written, it's easier to suppress the first desire than to satisfy all that follow it. The question of why temptation. Temptation is sudden. It's sanctioned. It can be severe. It is satanic. But it's all for the purpose of recognizing God is able to help us in the way. Verse 13, he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. Not only does Mark address the question of temptation, it provides encouragement for those who choose to endure temptation. For we know God will be near, will comfort and encourage those who choose to follow him and trust in him in the way. Jesus was protected from the wild beasts and ministered to by angels. And I believe that emphasizes God's watch care over us in times of difficulty. 2 Peter 2.9 states, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation 
and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. God is able to deliver his own. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that year able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Romans 8.31 If God be for us, who can be against us? What a blessing to know. God helps us in the way. Yes, temptation is sudden. It's sanctioned. It can be severe. And it is satanic. But thank God, it doesn't have to get the best of us. God can and will care for his own. Let me close with these two illustrations. Uh, The first, a simple thought. You've seen the commercial that compares two types of paper towels, two paper towel brands. Someone places identical objects on each of the two towels and then pours water over them. The combination of the weight and the water are too much for one and it tears while the other doesn't, thus demonstrating their superiority, their strength over another. But have you ever wondered why two believers, both trusting in Christ as Savior, both love for God, they can go through similar trials and one comes through victorious and one does not? You see, the difference is the inner strength of one's faith in Christ and their walk with God. Outwardly, we can all look alike as far as our if I could say, our our apparent spirituality. But inwardly, you see, the Lord knows our heart. With the heart, man believeth under righteousness. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. God knows what's going on in our heart, and those who have a heart for God will trust him as they go through the trials and struggles of life. And the second thought, a young fellow named Alexander a number of years ago was trying to save up his pennies so he could buy a baseball bat. Oh, he wanted that bat so bad, and every time he, he got some money, he put it aside. He wanted to be sure he could buy that bat. It was a struggle for him. And one night, when he was saying his prayers, his mother stood by the door, and she heard him praying fervently, said, Lord, please help me to save my money for a baseball bat. And God, please don't let the ice cream man come down the street. It ought to be no surprise to us there are temptations out there. God wants us to resist those temptations. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you.